0: Hey, this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. So today I am jazzed to talk through some new research that just came out, Bridget that confirms some of my biggest suspicions around women's ambition and our love lives that I've been writing about since the very beginning of my journey with Bossed Up. Uh in fact one my the the first thing that I thought worth mentioning in this episode was an article I wrote Called I'm Tired of Young Women Downplaying Their Accomplishments for RollReboot.org. Shout out to them. Shout out to that amazing uh, blog that I used to write for a lot, all about living life off script. In other words, like ditching gender roles. And here's the main gist of it it has to do with our ambition and our achievements and our dating lives. So I found myself in a predicament that I wonder, Bridget, if you've ever experienced or if anyone listening has. Let's hear it. Which is I was really into this new guy that I was dating. And for the first couple of months, I didn't even really realize that I hadn't mentioned a lot of my biggest achievements at work. I hadn't really mentioned what I'd been doing. At the time, I was a political digital strategist working on some of the biggest, hottest Senate uh, ca- campaigns across the country. This was back in 2012. Mm. And I was working for a super PAC. So I had my hand in every major Senate race in the country, right. which was super fun. Um At the time, I had just gotten off of a day in which I had a huge victory for my client. And when I met up with him to play some volleyball, shout out to Brad the Boo, who's been in the picture now for quite some time, I found myself accidentally slipping and reveling. In one of my successes from the day.
1: Oh, heavens no. So I like,
0: oh no, I gasped. And like, I looked at him as though he should have been intimidated by me, which is really egomaniacal of me. (laughs) But I was like, does that not intimidate you? Like, I shouldn't even, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like gloat or anything. You know, I like apologized for talking about my big success at work that day. He turns to me and says, no, that's hot. And I'm like, whoa, what? (laughs) Like, like record Record scratch. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I think it's awesome that you're killing it at work. And what surprised me in that moment was not just his response, but my response to his response, AKA I was surprised that I was worried and then he was not at all intimidated. Like, why had I been dating this guy for two months at the time and hadn't really mentioned how much I loved what I was doing and how proud I was of what I was doing at work?
1: Yeah, I mean, do do ambitious women... Feel like they have to downplay their their career ambitions, their career successes, in order to get you know get into men's get good graces guy. to get the boo.
0: Yeah, and I have to I have to put out a little disclaimer here by saying this is a seriously heteronormative situation in that something that research has found really amongst heterosexual couples that single women and now there is finally new research that just came out this month that. Women who are single and heterosexual do, in fact, self-censor around men when they think that whatever their career ambitions are might be seen or viewed by their other classmates, including men. So, I, I mean, I want to dive into that new research, which is being called the Ambition Marriage trade-off. Uh, Harvard Business Review put out an article called The Ambition Marriage Trade-Off Too Many Single Women Face. <laughs> and I feel like there is so much to, to sink There's our teeth So much in to unpack. Here.
1: Um, I think, I mean, I think it's worth saying that, like, I'm, I'm can brag on you. I know that you're a very ambitious, like, successful woman. I admire this about you is that you're very, like, you own your accomplishments, which is something that, like, I, I mean, I think that's great, right? So, like, right. so I, I have a very, like, kind of complicated feelings about this. But something I can't stand is like in celebrities is like false modesty when they're like, oh, like, like, yeah, like I like this is why I hate Taylor Swift, because she always comes out (laughs) on stage like, wow, I can't believe there's people in the audience. Right. Like, and it's like, well, you're a huge pop star, of course. Um, And so I really appreciate I find it refreshing that people would like own their accomplishments. And I tend to like, um, you know. Celebrities who are a little bit like braggy, like yeah. I loved Prince. I love people who talk about how they're they're great, right? Um, and that there's something in that. I think that like we're told that you're not supposed to do that. We're told that you're not supposed to be, you right. know, um, too braggy.
0: Especially as women. Oh, especially right. as women. And there's this whole likability leadership trade-off that women also face, right? That the more assertive women are, whether it's in a boardroom or about their own achievements, the less likable men and women are to see them or to consider them. So so let's let's talk about this study. Um, because it really is troubling to me, and I'd love to hear from our listeners if you find yourself self-censoring by accident or otherwise, or if this is something like me you used to do a lot and started to yourself. mindfully change. Yeah, because when you describe the way I am about my achievements now, I think I would agree I'm pretty unapologetically ambitious. I think it's awesome. And what it's been challenging, I mean, I think it's been a little bit of a transition, um... From being someone who I described in that in that piece, I said, "Listen, I'm I was a hot mess. Like I was, and not that there's anything wrong with that either. But I was not. I was so busy trying to be demure and coy, right? That I was reeling in partners or prospective partners who were into that coy, demure me. And so was it like a bait and switch where it's like, Hey, guess what, guys?
1: I know you thought I have a super coy, but I'm actually super not. Yeah, Like (laughs) like I'm super
0: into work. Like, surprise, deal with it. And there's some There's some problems with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have often been told that I, um, I like completely compartmentalize my like work and professional accomplishments. And my like great example is that when I was graduating from college, my parents didn't know that I had been like selected to like give a like Why, speech Bridget? as like a, because I didn't tell them until like we no, no, got no. there. Why were you selected to give a speech? Because Bridget? I was a very good student and I was a very well liked student in my class and blah blah. blah. Is that blah. not an
0: understatement? I think that might be an understatement, <laughs> Bridget. Can you can you own that achievement? Maybe? I will
1: own that achievement. Okay, I was ch- I was chosen as our quote outstanding graduated senior. Here we go. And yeah, I mean, I think the idea for some reason, I felt like that was not something I could, like, tell my parents. My parents, Like, I just, like, let them find out the day of. And I think, like, I've often been accused of sort of um, compartmentalizing and Is not... Is that another po- word for hiding your achievements? Hiding though? my like- achievements, maybe. Um, but I think that, like... <laughs> You know, I... Something that... So I like it when people own their achievements and that their ambition, but there's nothing I can stand less, and particularly in a, in a town like D.C. And I think this is... It's obviously very gendered, but I think it, like, spans gender. People who are, like, really, really self-promoting, like, I, like... Yeah. That's something that, like, I encounter often in D.C., and it, like, ma- it, like makes my skin cross. So when someone is, like, legitimately ambitious and very proud of what they've done, I I love that, and I feel like I, like gravitate toward that even though that's not necessarily how I am but then I feel like because you've, you've probably met the guy in DC who was like talks so much about all these like big things he's doing and like yeah. who he's worked with and I find that like that is so the opposite of like my vibe yeah and I feel like when it's genuine and someone is like coming from a place of like I love what I do I'm very proud of what I do yeah, yeah, yeah. and like they're owning it in a very genuine way I love that yeah well-
0: Always be people who don't know if you're owning it in a genuine way, though. I'm totally. Think you're oh, that's a good point. That's the thing. I think you and I actually differ dramatically oh. in our approach to this. I'm not saying in our in our opinion per se, but like you and I are very different in how we own our achievements. I think. I think that's probably true. Is that fair? Would yeah, you agree that's probably with that? fair. And I think that'll make this conversation even more interesting because I wasn't always like that because it was so much easier to be coy and demure because you wouldn't risk being seen as a jerk. Right now. I'm like, you know what far outweighs the amount of people who will inevitably think I'm a jerk for talking about my achievements are the people who will then show up in my life because they want to know more about these achievements or want to partner on something or, you know, will want to invite me to have a podcast or talk about stuff like that. Right. Because, like, there are always going to be people out there that think I'm a jerk.
1: Period. And And I think, like, what you're saying is so true is that, like, I feel like it's... Like, you should have the space to show up as yourself, right? Right. And so, like, if Emily is very proud of her accomplishments, like, you should be able to show up in that space, show up in life as it, in that way, and not get judged for it, that you're gonna, that you're being a jerk. Um,
0: But we know we all will. Like, that's the reality, is that we all will be judged. And, like, my take on it is, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves (laughs) here, but I hope you're, I hope you're still down. Stay with us. Is, like, I would much rather run the risk of some people thinking I'm full of myself than never to go out there and be my full self and like be talking about what we're, what we're doing. And because yeah, it's cool. Cause stuff. you're doing cool stuff. Like, yeah.
1: like, why should you, like, if you're someone who loves what you do and you're doing cool stuff, why
0: should you not be able to right. like, like revel in pride? Like, like, Yeah, well, you know why? Because single women fear not ever getting a date. Because of the patriarchy. Yeah, right. And it's the research shows that men today, even today, men still prefer, quote, female partners who are less professionally ambitious than they are. And because of this, single women face a, a choice, right? To potentially take actions that might lead to professional success, like. Having a heavy social media presence about your achievements and all of the stuff you're doing professionally, which might then be viewed less favorably in the heterosexual marriage market. You know that this is written by economists when they talk about (laughs) dating as being in the heterosexual marriage market? Totally. Can I dive into this one study? Dive in. Okay. So they took a bunch of MBA program students, which is already a pretty biased sample. It's acknowledged the sort of privilege that goes into being in an MBA program and the fact that this is like maybe the most ambitious professional subset of the population you might find. They're like shelling out cash to go to grad school. Um, so knowing that sort of asterisk here and the asterisk that this is amongst heterosexual people only – They asked students, you know, they said, here's a career services survey. And they're asking students, men and women, single and not so single people, about their potential desired compensation, how much travel they would be willing to take on, how many hours per week they would be willing to work for an internship that summer. So the guys was... Here's a career services survey that will determine how we match you with potential internships this summer. The more ambitious you are, the more likely you will be to be matched with a high tier, you know, whatever, consulting firm that requires a a huge amount of dedication and whatever. Like no work-life balance is the underlying assumption here. Um, The answers for single women changed dramatically when students were told that they would be discussing their survey results as a class. So what happened was when when the secret was kept, when it was just a survey that they would turn in privately to the Career Services Center, women, women answered, single and not single women answered comparably, com- like compared to their classmates. Right. But when it came to like a public response that their classmates would see, including potential single dudes that were in the dating market, they, quote, lowered their desired yearly compensation from 131000 to 113000 on average. And so they're saying, I don't want that much money. I just want $113,000. Get, 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 get your, your money. money. <laughs> God, I know. And then listen to this. They reduced their willingness to travel from 14 days per month to seven days per month. They also reported wanting to work four fewer hours per week and significantly lower levels of overall professional ambition and said that they had less of a tendency to lead. Women who were not single didn't change their answers when they were going to be shown to the whole class versus private. That is wild. Isn't that insane? That I mean,
1: like I can almost sort of see like the travel thing, but the money thing. I mean, who doesn't
0: like money? She, I just, she doesn't want to threaten the dude. Ah, I, can't, the I That
1: to me is like is,
0: is beyond. I mean, and and the researchers said I'm like reading this by the way in Starbur Star Starburst. <laughs> That's where my mind went, to candy. I'm reading this in Starbucks, and I'm literally saying out loud, wow, 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 after every paragraph that in the study. That is wild. That's a wild study. They indicate that single women, but, quote, not women in a relationship, avoid actions that could help their careers when those actions have negative marriage market consequences. Well, what?
1: so I, I think I have to sort of, like, flesh that out, and that I, I do think that, like, I think that we live in a society where I think a lot of dudes like the idea of of finding ambitious women attractive. This Agreed. is something I have Agreed. like encountered a lot personally. Um, but but actually liking ambitious women is a different thing, right? Right. Like,
0: it means like maybe you'd have to cook dinner like on the red
1: and like do like and and you know maybe your your partner's career would like. Be you know the most important thing for her for a while, or like yeah. maybe like you, she'd Travel. be gone for a while, right? Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I like like I said, I mean I'm an ambitious person. I I spent almost a month in Australia just for the service of my career, and yeah. you know was super excited to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like I I definitely have ma- like I I would probably say my career is probably the most important thing to me in my life. Um, and so I'm certainly ambitious, but I do wonder if I've if I have sort of like I'm like working this working out my like. Entire theory around talking about your ambitions on this show. So right. pardon me. Um but yeah, part of me wonders if I if I do sort of like shy away from talking about my ambitions because I worry, you know Around
0: the guy. Right. Yeah, around the guys. Yeah. I mean, I certainly did, and I caught myself doing so. And the question for me that also comes up I have so many questions for this, is at what point in a relationship does this switch flip? Right, where you reveal yourself like, to be like, oh, hey. What the heck? Like, they say single women hide their ambition, which research backs up, but married women don't. It's not marriage to me. Like, it can't be marriage because we know that marriage is like, means really different things to really yeah. different people. Some people don't even ever want get to get, get married. Some people like me have extremely ambivalent feelings about <laughs> marriage all the time that I've been working through that we need to do a whole other podcast yes. on. But, um, like, at what point in a partnership do you stop having that result show up like four months into dating, six months into dating, two years into dating. I asked Brad the boo, what he thought about this research. Cause I stumbled upon it. Um, while I was, it was, it just came out when I was with him, uh, in the same room and I read this study and I'm just freaking out. And I said, well, you know, what do you have to say about people who are men who are intimidated by women's ambition? And we talked about the whole article that I'd written four years ago now. And he said, that's only true for men or people," he said. "That's only true for people who don't see their partnership as a team effort." I think that's
1: so wise and so true, right? Like if you if you don't see your partnership as like an equitable team, like you're like or just teammate, like a
0: teammate, you want your teammate to get more money, right? right? Like you want their victory is your, your victory, victory, right?
1: right? I, I completely agree, and I think uh, not to get too personal, but you know, I had a situation where someone, like a romantic partner in my life. Was, you know, we, we had to sort of come to grips with the fact that he was like, I find myself attracted to someone else because that person is not, is not as like career focused and is not as successful. And that's, frankly, that's not something that it was an isolated thing. Like that's, I've been said, been told that multiple times from romantic partners where, and again, I think it's like, they think they like, they like the idea of the version of themselves that wants to be with like a badass career woman. But actually yeah. that that version of themselves is like them believing the best you know like in in their perfect mind if they're this like great it's person aspirational. it's yeah, it's, it's exactly the word I'm looking for. It's aspirational, right but it's like how they really feel in reality, mm. perhaps that's not mm. what they actually want. And I think like whatever you like you know whatever you want is is fine like well, it's you, helpful to know but it's helpful I to wouldn't know. say it's fine And it's you like, shouldn't yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be. If, if it's, if you don't actually want what comes with dating someone who is very ambitious and career focused, which means, yeah, making a meal every now and then, cleaning up, you know, being the person who does a lot of the domestic tasks, like yeah. being alone while that person is traveling for work or like, you know, making yourself, like, like being off on your own with that person is like doing work at night or whatever, yeah, like. Being okay with that. Yeah, like yeah. being okay with that and, and actually not just being okay with it, but like understanding that like that is part of, you know, of, of your team like yeah. that like not being salty about it and of course like everyone gets salty when it's like you know I think mean, you can get grumpy about it sometimes but like not like being willing to take pride in that mm. because it reflects well on your
0: relationship and right. like you're better when your you know teammate is doing well yeah it's it is personal I mean I think there this is a struggle that so many of us are dealing with and I want to talk this through in so many other levels but we have to take a break stick around there is way more nuance to this research we will unpack and walk through together in just a few moments. But first, a word from our sponsors. And we're back. And this is kind of an emotional episode for both of us. It is. I've, it's very personal. It's so, it's so directly related to the trade-offs that I think all of us are navigating right now. Um, But hello, I would love to hear from lesbian women. If this is so not a, an issue, like in the LGBT community, I would love to see what we can learn from folks who don't have all this baggage around gender roles. Because, totally. you know, being in the marriage market, being, you know, being dating, being a person who's dating can feel like a very vulnerable experience. And we're told from all the research on shame and vulnerability, by the way, yeah. shout out to Brene Brown, that like... The best way to actually find someone who loves you for being you is you have to dare to let yourself be seen for yeah. who you for actually who you, are. Or how you actually, like, want to show up in the world. And not adapt and, like, hide... Your ambition while you're in that dating pool. But then what this is saying is that, oh, sorry, ladies, like because men still need to feel like men and being a man in our society still means being a breadwinner, even though that's not necessarily the kind of strict gender roles that any of us want to adhere to, that it definitely those messages are internalized. And the result is we hide. We hide our ambition here in the HBR study. They did another, a couple of series of, uh, of experiments that showed that when placed in an all female group, those same MBA students were way more likely to report that they would prefer a high paying, high demand job. 68% of single women reported that. Whereas when placed with male peers, that number dropped to 42%. Wow. So all like 68% of these single ambitious women, a certain number of like what, 20 something percent of them said actually no thanks when they were surrounded by men. And so, I, I mean, in all female groups, single women, the same sort of research, I should say, showed up, the same kind of results showed up when it comes to a job with a quicker promotion to partner, a partner track, um, substantial travel, all of those trade-offs were like reminded of our risk of being seen as a not so dedicated girlfriend, not so dedicated parent, right. spouse, whatever, when we're just around men, we dim our ambition. How messed up is that's, that? That's
1: so awful. And like I, you know, I'm 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 thinking back to when I was in high school. I went to all girl high school and like, you know, I, I oh we should do an entire episode around around that. I would love like, that. Yeah. But I mean I definitely felt like in high school because it was just women you never—it never even occurred to me to like, like it just was a different world. Like, so you know they do you studies performing, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do studies where it's like, oh, when women are around, when young women are educated around young men, they demure more. They don't want to answer questions because
0: they, you know, they. They participate less. They don't right. want to be seen as bossy. And you know what's funny is that that was the third experiment that they did in this study. Oh. Even among MBA students. So we're not talking high school. Right, right. Or grade school. They conducted a student survey and analysis on participation grades because in the MBA program, class participation, participation is everything. Counts. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big part of it. And so what they did was, um, they found that, and this is self-reported. So take all this stuff with a grain of salt because we know self-reported data is not always the best. But they asked their MBA students, the same ones they'd been um, putting in this career center experiment, to see if that they had avoided certain actions that they thought would help their careers because they were concerned it would make them look, quote, too ambitious, assertive, or pushy. 64% of single females said that they had avoided asking for a raise or a promotion for that reason. So there's a lot of self-awareness on this censorship compared to 39% of women who were married or in a serious relationship, and only 27% of men. So 64% of single women compared to 39% of women in committed relationships. So over half of the single women reported avoiding speaking up in meetings, compared to about 30% of women who weren't single or men. Wow. I know. So really,
1: I mean, this, like... I mean, like, I, I I, always come back to this, but like the patriarchy, man, like it's like <laughs> yeah. we
0: smash it, smash it,
1: smash How? it. And,
0: yeah. Well, that's the thing. Doesn't this make you want to pull your hair out? It makes
1: me it's this is this is infuriating. And like, like I said earlier, I mean, it's such a personal as women as working women who are, you know, ambitious and and pretty career focused, like it's infuriating. And I, I like even just in this conversation, I'm like, think, taking note of all of the ways it has shown up in my personal life. And it's. It, it makes me want to scream like and I part of me wonders like is this going to as a you know unmarried woman is this it's going to be something that I'm dealing with my for my whole life like is this just gonna be my you know life is trying to navigate success in a field that I care about mm. so much and love so much but also having to be mindful of like well do you want to get married someday do you want a man to like think you're attractive do you want yeah. a man to like think that you're marriage material or, like, dateable or whatever. And it's like, I mean, the more... I mean, this is a, a whole other podcast episode, but the more I think about this, there's a really great article about making the choice to be single forever by mm. this great writer, Lori Penny. Shout out to her. But I always go back to that, where sometimes I think... And this sounds so, like, gloom and doom, and I swear I'm a cheery person, but, like, sometimes I think that the op- the best option is, like, just to be like, I'm never getting married, I'm never going to date, I'm just going to, like, perp... Like, intentionally live a single life the way that like plenty of like writers and artists have done since forever and like making that choice because part of me is like it is not worth the headache to have to deal with navigating Mm. this minefield of like you can't if you want to like have a partner you can't be your full self and like you can't be and I also think that like people don't understand what it's like to be a ambitious or creative woman people think that like you're you know if if you have Ambitions, or you're creative, or whatever, that you're going to get married and have a kid, and those are going to fall by the wayside. And like, we totally allow men to show up in that way that, like, right. you know, your career or your passion or whatever is a big part of your life. And we don't
0: afford that to women at all. Or at least we haven't historically. Correct. We could. And this is where I'm optimistic. This is where I'm optimistic. First of all, I have been long obsessed with the happiness research around being single or being with someone. And I'm not saying this is the reason anyone should ever get married, but connection, yeah. human connection, I think is why we're all here. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, I think human connection is a humongous part of living a happy, healthy and successful life. I put that in your quotes. Right. But we shouldn't have to sacrifice our art, our careers, our focus. Your passion, our passions to do that, right? I think it's about finding the right kind of person and maybe at different times in our lives having the ability to communicate and compromise mindfully or not, or choose like, this has been a good ride, but like, I'm not about monogamy. You know what I mean? Like this has been a good ride, but it's time to move on to the next, you know, like this is the question. Yeah. I think one of the answers that I've come across is, and this is a core principle at bossed up is that we have to treat our personal lives as important as our professional lives. We have to see them together. We can't, we, I I think the uh, compartmentalization Can sometimes hurt our cause. Yeah. And one of the pieces of advice that they put together is saying that there might be a place for grad schools. Like there might be a place for MBA programs or college to help students think holistically about their ambitions, personally and professionally. That's basically the kind of safe space we've created at Boston right. is to say, "Hey, here's a radical concept. Come bring your personal goals into the same piece of paper, into the same weekend, into the same consideration as your professional goals, and and talk about them that way with the people in your life."
1: Yeah, I mean, and, then, and like I keep going back to myself because this is something I deal with. It's it's a Good. completely personal thing, but like yeah. I am someone who like I can very clearly see it in my life and how it's played out. I compartmentalize the hell out of my mm. my professional life. Like, I, I mean, for the longest time, if there was any kind of overlap between personal and professional, like I was so skeeved out by that. Like, was not something that I. Oh, yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah, we like, talked like, about
1: that. I I am like, yeah. I like, and I think that part of it is because the work that I've done, it's. Very social. It's very, Politics social. Is very social. And like you're talking my- about, like
0: don't date in the political world, well, that, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that yeah. and other things. I mean, my work basically for the longest time has been around, you know, has been very outreach focused and like making friends with lots of people, going out with lots of people, and making people feel good about our. Like, it's relationship building. It and, like, is. And like right. that can it can be super confusing. Like having that be a big basis of your professional work, yeah. work can be very confusing alongside like friendships. And like romantic, romantic relationships. relationships, and so yeah. for me, I just have to have them completely distinct. Where it's mm. like these are my like coworkers, and I love them dearly, and they're so great. Right. But then, but those are very different than my like you know professional and personal and like family. And so like yeah. Well,
0: I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah,
1: but I think that it can it can go. I think that it does has not afforded me the ability to like show up as my full se- my full self in all the spaces. You know, it, so it's it, like yeah. I can't you know. I, like, would be very, un- if I went to a professional development space and someone was like, so tell me about your family ambitions, I would be like, what?
0: Yeah. Which and- I'm not advocating for either, though. To be clear, like, we, like they can't legally do that. If oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, all, all that stuff. But, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I'm I'm trying to say here. What I found helpful is bringing my work to my dating life. Right. And making sure that my p- personal priorities are integrated into my work choices, too. Does that, that make sense? I mean, so think that it's makes... personal. Yeah. And again, it's it's holistic, it sounds like. That's what it Yeah, where
1: it's like, and I think, I mean, I've had work situations where, like, they, your your boss doesn't, almost, like, does not expect you to be a person, like, you're a robot. And so, like, if you you need a sick day or, like, your kid is sick or whatever, it's like, you're not able to show up as the, you know, individuals that we are with family responsibilities, friend responsibilities, romantic responsibilities. And don't pretend to yourself. Like you can right. check all of that baggage exactly at the door. exactly and I think yeah. work I mean yeah. like bringing it back to your favorite thing which is like professional development yeah. work scenarios where they afford for like you know that we're all people and that you know maybe one a day yeah work I think is is great I think so too
0: all right let's take a quick break and collect our thoughts and take take the temperature in here for a second and we will be right back with more sort of conclusions that these researchers came to. And frankly, a whole lot more questions for you because we don't have this all figured out and I'd love to hear what you have to say. So we'll be right back after this quick break. And we're back. And this is a big, burly topic. So thanks for hanging in there with us. Sorry, Sminty listeners. Slash we're not sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Because I hope that the sort of the pain and challenge of weeding through this stuff is like resonating because I think we're all trying to figure this out if we have any semblance of wanting to have ambition peacefully coexist with love. That is what I've been writing about, by the way, since high school and college. Like, my my college, what you might call a thesis, which was just a really long paper, wasn't technically a thesis, was on gender equality and romantic love amongst heterosexual couples. So this like, so this really is like, bringing it back home
1: for you yeah. in terms of your writing and research.
0: Like, we could have a whole, like, podcast about the philosophies behind romantic love and behind gender equality. And sadly that paper ended with, there are no solutions. <laughs> also that paper ended with like, they are fundamentally incongruent. But here's, here's the thing, right? Let's look at the research that we are, we've been unpacking. All of these studies show that women do in fact censor their ambition, downplay their ambition when they are single and believe that it might hurt their dating prospects. So two things there. One is that we need to be able to make that choice mindfully and not unconsciously. So if that's, you know, if you want to, I think the, the, Brene Brown stuff also comes back to the fact shame. that if you if you bring that shame into your dating life, you're going to attract people who are attracted to a false version of you. Yes,
1: and that's I mean that's never good. for any like I used to sort of be the kind of girl who would like pretend to be really into like sports and right. like whatever other dumb stuff guys like, and then when they like would get heard to know the me,
0: NHL episode, you would know that <laughs> we're not.
1: Now it's like I mean I have I have I, I'm kind of like learning as I go and that like. I don't want to pretend to be the kind of person who enjoys stuff that I don't enjoy, and then yeah, you know, and then high five later. Like, be like, oh, actually, I hate this, and well, sorry, not, I tricked you. It's not
0: fair to anybody. It's not fair to me or to the person that I'm doing it right. to. Right. And the, the the third thing here is that to keep in mind that there are we're all bringing the context of antiquated but sticking gender roles with us to these conversations. So right. there are many ways in which. We unconsciously, unconsciously have internalized what it means to be a good woman, and being a non-threatening, sweet, non-ambitious person was wrapped up in all that baggage that both men and women are still dealing with in terms of the proclaimed man who wants an ambitious woman, but struggles with the fact that that comes with a lot of stuff that he might not have bargained for. I think my we're still figuring that stuff out in our relationship. Yeah, like, there's just I think it's a lifetime of of what the research really comes to say, which is open and honest conversation. Yes, I think
1: it always comes back to that. And I think like, you know, it's, I often say this on the show, but like gender is like a minefield sometimes. And it's, it's often difficult to see the ways that it shows up in our personal lives, but it does. And it's like our, like part of the whole trip of the patriarchy is that We're all kind of unlearning it and like unpacking it it together as we go, and like we don't we don't know how it's going to show up. And even Mm -hmm. the most like woke with it progressive couple, it's I mean these these things are ingrained. Like
0: it's they've been ingrained for so long that of course we can't escape them, even if we would like to. Right. And so having conversations that are not just about. Your likes and dislikes, like, mm-hmm. do you like long walks on the beach with pina coladas? Yeah. But also your career ambitions and expectations about mutual support. What does that actually look like? How does that change over time and continue to have those conversations? And that actually came out, uh, from another study that I think is worth mentioning here, albeit briefly, um, that shows what happens a little further on down the life cycle of this problem. So the initial problem we talked about is women downplaying our ambition during the dating season of life here, um, or at least dating season one, right, for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a Netflix show. Dating season, season one. one. Uh, so here's what happens next, and I, I really hate to be the bearer of bad news on this, but there's a research that found that women with high-status careers in particular, more demanding career paths than their husband's, so again, this is super heteronormative, Um, lead to women, those women being indeed more likely to experience feelings of resentfulness or embarrassment, feeling that their status was somehow decreased by their husband's lower status position, which has... Obviously, a negative impact on marital happiness and an increased likelihood of divorce. So, whoa, Nellie. Okay. So here's what we've done here. We've downplayed our ambition. We've reeled in a a match. Okay. We get married. Then your career maybe takes off or you have a lot of ambition. You get that high status career that you've been driving for your whole life. And now you resent your husband as a result of that.
1: And I mean, like, WTF. That, it's like a, it's like a recipe for an unhappy marriage. Why? It's like, and this is all
0: because of gender roles.
1: Right. Like it's a, it's a recipe mm. for not for like resentment and bitterness. And then like, I, I don't think this is, this is in the research, but like if you have a kid in the mix, like it's just like the idea of like, oh, mom resents dad because, because the patriarchy forced, her, gender roles forced her to like be a version of herself that she wasn't to attract him. Yeah. Like that's. No one
0: and there is there is one silver lining in this research. There is a, a solution, a cure. What's the okay? cure? The cure to not having a resentful, high octane woman driving the career of the family is when husbands provide, or at least their wives felt that their husbands provide high levels of instrumental support, such as helping with domestic responsibilities or child and elder care. Then, in, in that case, like, having a higher status career than your husband doesn't negatively impact your marital happiness.
1: Right, and I think that's, Duh. I mean, that, that makes so much sense to me because women just want, I mean, like, we just want to be, feel supported, right? And we want to feel, like, meaningfully right. supported and, like. Tangibly so. Yeah, yeah, where it's like, you, like, and this is, I think goes back to the analogy that you talked about with Brad, where it's like, if you're a team, if one member of the team is, like, killing it and, like, you know, doing all, doing all the things, The other member of the team is finding a way to also meaningfully contribute to the team. And it's like, even if, even if, you know, you're not to go with the, I shouldn't be making sports analogies, but I'll try. (laughs) Uh, to, if you're the like, Pitch hitter, <laughs> uh, like, like the number, like the star. Yeah, this escapes my vocabulary. This is getting all yeah. out there, but like if you're the star player right. on the team, whatever. That like even if you're like kind of on the bench as like the towel right. manager, you're still finding oh. a way to support, right? Like you're yeah. still part of the same team. Yeah. I shouldn't mix sports analogies. Wow. I'm sorry. That was beautiful,
0: <laughs> but also I think it's. I mean, I have some weird feelings about this because I, I like to think that I'm motivated to contribute to my partnership, right? Like, there's definitely this desire to make someone as happy as they've made you or whatever that, whatever you might want to call that, Um, that like desire to contribute to the team as a win, like whatever that win looks like. But would we ever say this to women? Oh, hell no. Like, look at this research. This research says like, let's just sub out men for women here for a second. The research basically says if we were to reverse the words men and women here, it would say men in higher status careers resent their wives Unless their wives pitch in tangibly at home would with laundry and dishes. Like, and so I just, I, fi- I mean, we, that would not be politically correct. No. To say. So this study kind of rubs me the wrong way. Is that, like contribute? Duh. Everybody wants to feel supported right. emotionally and very practically when it comes to. The care duties of the work of unpaid labor that right. goes into homemaking and child rearing and elder care and all that stuff that's unaccounted for in our economy um, and contributing to the bottom line of the family budget, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, there you don't have to – like, there are other ways to contribute to a, to a domestic – partnership than breadwinning, right? Like, and I do think, I mean, this is a whole other episode, but like, like the dom- domestic labor has been, because it's associated with women, I think, that's yeah. why we under, we don't value it. So like, child care, elder care, domestic things, things Unfinished like that. Unfinished business,
0: actually, Amory Slaughter wrote a book called Unfinished Business about that exact problem. Yeah. And Kristen Caroline did an episode yeah. with her last Yeah, Shout out day. to them, because, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so true. Like, yeah. and I think that we, we
1: downplay that, but it's so important, and it's like, if you're, how are you able to go out and do wage earning work if someone is not, either you're paying for like a maid or a cook to come do right, these things right. or someone in your household is doing
0: them. Exactly. Sigh. Le yeah. Sigh. This is a troubling it's episode. It's, it is for a me. troubling yeah. one. It's, it calls into question like, well, what the hell are we supposed to do about it? Right. Like, as single women who are potentially in the dating pool. Right. Like, we've already talked through some of our coping mechanisms, but can we also talk about what men can do? Yes. One, clean up around the house. No I'm
1: kidding. But not <laughs> no, really. But too, yeah,
0: please do pitch in equally. We're getting closer. But women, according to the Washington Post, last year, women are still yeah. doing twice the amount of housework and childcare duties in households in which men and women both work full time. So let that sink in for a second. Oh, well, and I also think, like, I, I hate the societal
1: thing of, like, oh, like, do you ever see those memes on social media that are like, um, if a woman doesn't cook, like, she's not good. It's like, like, learn how to, like, we should be teaching both boys and girls yeah. at an early age how to take care yeah. of yourself, how to cook, how to clean, Wandry. do laundry, all of that. Like, this idea that, like, it's a woman's job to come in and, like, do that. Like, that's not I cute. Know. That's no. not
0: good. No. So, I think to hammer, to sort of bring this baby home here, I think we want to make conscious choices about... Being clear with ourselves and our loved ones about our ambition professionally, knowing that you don't have to be super crazy ambitious. You don't have to want to travel all the time for work. You don't have to want to seek out a high paying job. But if you do, maybe don't suppress that desire, especially while you're in the dating market and accounting for the unconscious habit that has now been proven that women tend to shy away from being clear about their ambition professionally around single men. Like, is that a thing that you're experiencing if you're not in the dating pool, if you're not looking to get married, if you're not attracting a male partner, like, I don't know, TBD. Like, I would love more research on this. I think the researchers actually ended that study by saying we need to test inhibiting factors. We need to test, um, how women can deal with this. And we also need men to check that unconscious bias against ambitious women. Like we need you to be down with ambitious women and be down with what actually comes with ambitious women or at the very least don't have that cognitive dissonance between what you say you want and what you actually want.
1: Totally. Just like I mean I I keep saying this, but like show up as your authentic self, right? Like if you if you Which is scary. It is scary. And it's and it's a chat. We have to Sort of like what you were saying at the beginning of the show of unlearning, like challenging yourself to unlearn, mm. being demure about your accomplishments. I think we all have to like agree challenge ourselves to show up in the, yeah. the way that we
0: need to to make to make this make this thing work. Yeah, because the people that become unattracted to you when you're being your unapologetically ambitious self are people that you would rather weed out.
1: Yeah, you don't want that, you don't need yeah. those people in your life
0: yeah, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I think that is the secret to happiness. I also think, you know, we could do a whole episode on this around Brene Brown's research mm-hmm. and a lot of the social work that's been done from the sociological perspective on shame and why we, why it is scary to show up as your authentic self. Um, but we, we want to hear from you. I mean, girls, we need to hear from you. We need like, to hear from
1: you. And also, we- like, Folks who are not folks who are like this is again a very heteronormative episode. We want to hear how other kinds of couples are doing
0: it. I have a feeling that gay couples have figured this out. I really do. Like Let us I have, know. A fig- I have a feeling that w- when you've already bucked all of the gender normative, heteronormative gender roles that come with relationships, I have a feeling that the gays will lead the way on this. <laughs> <laughs> so please tell us tell us what this experience has been like for you because clearly we're still struggling with it. Um, and tell us about, if you're a man listening to this, tell us what it's been like to unlearn some of the unconscious habits that, or feelings that you might have or attitudes that you might have been taught to feel about having a high-octane woman on your arm. Like, what does it look like to have a girlfriend whose career is crushing it um, do you feel threatened? Women, do you feel threatening? Like I sometimes do or did, and now I don't care that I do. But you know, like how do you how do you get over that? Yeah, please, please write it.
1: We want to hear it all. like please write it in. It's really something that we're like struggling with in real time, so we can work through this together. yeah,
0: please don't hesitate to drop us a line on Instagram at stuff Mom never told you on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast, and get in our inbox at MomStuff at howstuffworks dot com.